This episode of The Brian Nichols Show contains strong language. Listener discretion is advised. And now, on with the show. Get ready to start your new morning ritual with our new sponsor, Mudwater. Coffee is one of America's favorite beverages, with more and more people starting their coffee habits every day with a cup of that flavorful anxiety juice. But let's be real. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm working on getting more coffee into my life? Millions of people complain about the jitters that come from coffee consumption. Our morning coffee rituals can be habit-forming and, for some people, can make getting a good night's sleep almost impossible. And while nearly all of us like the smell, taste, and ritual of our morning coffee, why not explore eliminating the negative aspects of our morning brew? Well, what if your coffee replacement helped induce alertness, not dependency, improve mental capacity and function, improve physical stamina and performance, improve immunity and overall health? Oh, and by the way, it tastes good enough to drink every single day. Meet Mudwater. Mudwater is your fastest growing coffee alternative in the market, consisting of organic ingredients lauded by cultures both old and young for their health and performance benefits. With one-seventh the caffeine of coffee, Mud gives you the natural energy and focus you expect from coffee, but without the jitters and crash. With an organic blend of mushrooms and ingredients like cacao, marsala, chai, turmeric, lion's mane, and more, Mudwater offers a beverage like no other. Whether you want to enjoy it hot, cold, as a latte, or however you take your coffee in the morning, Mudwater is the zero sugar, zero crash, zero jitter alternative, sure to leave you feeling recharged and refocused. Listen, I'm really excited to have Mudwater as a sponsor here on The Brian Nichols Show because I've been able to see the Mudwater difference for myself, and you can too, so click the link in the show notes to get some mud, support the show, and get your new morning ritual started right with Mudwater. And now, onto the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Well, things got weird after we aired Wednesday's episode, eh? Alright, folks. How about this? No storming the Capitol building, please? Let's not do that today. Um, on Friday's episode here of The Brian Nichols Show, I promise you, we're not doing that. Instead, we're... <laughs> Instead, what a what an opening, right? Brian Nichols here, the Brian Nichols show. By the way, instead, we're we're going to be talking to a good friend, and he is a returning guest. He is the CEO of MTS Nutrition, and he is the Chief Marketing Officer of TigerFitness.com. Mark Lobliner, returning to the show. Mark is uh, what a, what a character. I love Mark. He he is a never ending ball of energy. And today, number one, we discussed what it's kind of been like uh, being a CEO of a fitness brand company um, during these this era of COVID-19 where, you know, countries are on lockdown, states are on lockdown, and it's hard to do a, you know, physical fitness company. <laughs> so I uh, wanted to, you know, kind of pick his brain there, but also uh, discuss, you now Mark is more of, I would say, a conservatarian, and Mark's been flirting in, in more of the political realm as of late, so kind of picking his brain, right? Because he would say he's definitely more in the libertarian camp, but he, he kind of had some hesitations uh, in terms of voting libertarian here in 2020. So I asked him, you know, what would we need to do to earn your support going forward? But Mark actually has an interesting idea in terms of a, a coalition building process. So I'm going to let him uh, go ahead and dig into that more. Why would I want to spoil the fun? So without further ado, on to the show, Mark Lobliner returning to The Brian Nichols Show. 
Hey, it's an honor to be here again, brother. It's been a uh, it's been a year <laughs> to say the <laughs> Just least. About, well, I mean, on paper, it's been a year. I don't think it's been that long, but you know, a lot of things have happened since the last time we talked. We had a uh, um, what I would say is a, a a contested election. I think we're still going through that. We've had you know um, a doubling down on lockdowns that just don't fucking work. Um, we've had people go completely mask Nazi crazy. Um, we've had essentially. I remember when I was a kid, like I used to be like, dude, people were fighting. Like, think, think about the, the Holocaust was literally like we had internment camps, 1940, dude, that's 80 years ago. We have people alive now who live through that. And I remember when I was a kid, I'm like, these people must have been fucking stupid. Like who would let themselves be completely mind fucked into believing that tyranny and executing and extinguishing an entire race? is a good idea. And yet here we are. And now I completely understand how that happened. And I have much more empathy for the Nazi soldiers, believe it or not, and everybody involved, because, you know, just like we put on our mask and we, we go along with it, that's all they were doing. They were trying to live. They were trying to, they were trying to survive. And when you have a ruling minority who basically says that if you don't put on a mask, you're killing old people. If you don't do this, you're a racist. If you don't do this, you hate women. If you don't do this, you hate black people. If you don't do this, whatever. I can understand how these people were bamboozled into literally killing 6 million Jews and a bunch of other people while they were at it. I completely understand now. It's changed my view on everything, and I have much more empathy for Nazis, believe it or not. How fucking crazy is that? What a quote right there, uh, because let's let's be real. I have much more empathy for Nazis. But think about it, mask Nazis. That's what they are. There's no proof that Jews were destroying the economy. I, there is more proof that Jews were fucking everybody in Germany than there are proof that masks work. Because Jews had all the fucking money. It's what we fucking do. You know, I, I speak, I'm Jewish. For those who don't know, I'm just, you can't. So please, Jews, don't get mad at me. I ate lox and a bagel for breakfast this morning. I'm on your team. But... I, I fucking understand. Like, I understand, you know? Well, Tom Woods made a, a really good point um, back a couple of years ago. I was listening to his show, and he was talking about how you'll see so many people in contemporary politics. They they virtue signal nonstop because they, they think if they were, you know, in, in whatever context of the history, that they're always yeah. going to be on the good side. And there was a – I forget the, the exact study, but they asked a bunch of people. They said, if you were in the 1860s, would you be an abolitionist? And they resoundingly, oh yeah, absolutely, we'd be abolitionists. And and you you know for a fact that that's absolutely not true because when you look back no. in the eighteen sixties, you were in the single percentile of, of of people in America who were actually were openly uh, you know abolitionists. And that was something because it does require you to take a stand against I would say a larger in this case ruling elite that we see here in twenty twenty one. Um, and I, I that's why I wanted to kind of like turn. The, the focus, because obviously you're a business owner, right? And you're having to face the real life consequences of the lockdowns right now. So what's kind yeah. of been like, you know, number one, the, the response that you've had to, I guess, adopt or adapt rather based on the, the lockdowns. But number two, what's kind of been, I guess, the, the outlook, the prospects for, for business going forward for you guys? Well, I mean, business going forward is you can only plan for what you know, and you always have to have a, an out or a strategy. You know, a lot of people will be fine. You know, you're Mark Cubans. Of course, he's fucking pro lockdown and shit. He's rich as fuck. You know, he's out there reporting. Like, I lost all respect for Mark Cuban. He used to be the guy. He used to always repost his stuff. I used to always use his quotes. Fuck that guy. What a piece of shit. You know, fuck him. No, no respect for Mark Cuban anymore. He's, I respect what he's done in business, but as a human being, he has no empathy. You know, no empathy at all. And he's a know it all prick. Um, 
And that's, I say that as someone who, like, I, I worship the ground he walked on. But the beauty of being human is we should have the ability to empathize with all sides. I can empathize now with people who became Nazis when they weren't really racist. They didn't really hate Jews. They just wanted to survive. So I empathize. Now, me, in our business, um, luckily for us, we're internet and we're grocery, which is two sectors that the government deemed to be essential, which... Think about that. When does the government in a free society get to determine what's essential and what's not essential? That's absurd. That doesn't make any sense. So, and we went along with it. We're like, oh yeah. So think about it. I think Tim Pool, Tim Cast, he's my favorite podcast. And he had a great segment where he's like, look, what we did is we determined essential and non-essential businesses. So essential businesses, you know, like a Target, let's say if I want to buy a lamp, right? I go to a lamp store. I'm with maybe two other people in the store. When, when we close them down, we all have to go to Target. So the guy buying a lamp has to rub elbows with the guy buying steak. The guy buying steak has to rub elbows with the guy buying dog food. So basically, you're putting all people in one place, making it a super spreader location. How did that ever make sense that getting people to go to one location, Walmart, Target, they're winning, they're crushing it. Why isn't anybody mad that Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, his own personal blog, rallies for lockdowns, increases net worth by billions and billions of dollars? Why is he not being, look, I don't think Amazon, I don't believe in antitrust. I don't, I don't give a shit about it. I'm one of those free market guys. doesn't bother me. But why isn't Amazon being taken down for antitrust? Why? If anything fits the definition, it's someone who literally promotes the, 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 the complete, um, abolishment of his competitors yet props himself up through propaganda like jeff bezos is a literal nazi the guy's a piece of shit and i do business with amazon but look at what he's doing it's genius but the government has his back because they donate it's all about donors it's all about money and that's where we're fucked is this has nothing to do with the virus it has to do with money covid um diagnoses they get paid more so obviously doctors are going to get these PCR tests rocking and rolling. I just want fairness. Look, if lockdowns were the right thing to do, I'd be the first one to be like, yep, lock this shit down. But the statistics, and I don't know if I'm reading different things than liberals or even some Republicans or, you know, you got your, um, uh, your DeWine in Ohio and whoever the fucking governor of Maryland is. Like, I don't know if they're reading different statistics, but everything I've read when you increase lockdowns and institute masks, Cases go up in California, in New York. Like you have a place like Tennessee. Yeah, our cases are, our deaths are extremely low. They have Florida. Yeah, they, they have high cases. Deaths are low. Why is per capita LA and New York higher than Tennessee and Florida? Uh, well, if I had to guess, I'm going to tell you right now, based on my conversations I've had with a lot of the, uh, the scientists, it's because you're putting people indoors. You're, you're physically telling them they have to be inside. And what are we finding? We're finding that a majority of the community spread is actually happening when you're in your own home. So you have all these teachers, right, mm -hmm. who are going to schools, and all of a sudden you'll see one or two teachers get sick, and they close down the entire schools, and then mm -hmm. they, they actually start to trace back, and they say, wait, where did these teachers get sick? And they find out, oh, it was because the, the, the significant other had the, uh, the, the COVID-19 in the home, and they caught it when they were locked down at home. And, and when they came back to school, they got sick. That's what they're finding. I don't, I don't understand how anybody can support lockdowns or masks. I can't empathize with them. I don't want to be friends with them. Anybody who has that mindset, I'm sorry, you're an idiot. You're a fucking buffoon if you think these are going to work. And here's the thing. I'm pro-mask if you want to wear one, but don't tell me what to do with my face. You know, well, oh, I love to see, but this is what I went off at the gym about today. 
I already, I already had a rant. So like the, the, the argument, well, whoa, what about seatbelt laws? Well, let's go on that. I don't think there should be seatbelt laws unless you have a child in there who's not wearing a seatbelt. That's fucking stupid because I don't like those either. But if I want to fucking drive and fly through the windshield, should I crash? It's my right. It's my God-given right. However, okay, we'll, we'll wear a fucking seatbelt. A seatbelt isn't restricting my breathing. It's not making me reuse bacteria. Go ahead, wear a mask for an hour and take it off. A cloth mask, it's soaked. It's disgusting. People are wearing these all day. We have kids wearing these all day in schools. So why not, if you want to wear a mask, a Batman mask, a Superman mask, if you want to wear a fucking cloth mask, a paper mask, I don't care, wear your fucking mask, but don't tell me what to put on my face. I groomed and I cut this really cool goatee and I want everybody to see it. And honestly, we're taking away emotion. Like I went to Disney. It was the worst mistake ever. You can't see your kids smile. How are you going to go to Disney without seeing one fucking kid smile? It's quiet in there. I talked to a parking lot attendant on my way out. I'm like, last day, I'm like, I don't know, man. She's like, you know, I'm going to be, she's like, I'm going to be real with you. She's like, uh, and it was a, a you know, a, a, a little, I'll just give you a visual. Like I have a conversation with this, like probably 20 something year old Latina um, girl, a female, for those who don't know the feminine and masculine of Spanish. And she was like, you go in there, it's quiet and you can't see kids smile. There's no characters. It's weird. It's stupid. And it's, Look, COVID's real, but it's, it's, let's be real, it's a bad cold. And I know this new data came out. Well, University of Ohio says there's cardiac damage to athletes. Okay. Number one is they could have had that beforehand. Number two is, yeah, there's something that did that before. It's called the flu. There's many, many, many studies on PubMed right now showing cardiac and other damage from the flu. The beauty of the body is it fucking heals. The body heals. You damage. You, you fucking recover. Everything you do, like if you have an infection, it does show damage. But if you look at that same person six months later, it's going to be okay. It's because the body is designed to heal, not self-destruct. Well, you say that as also a fitness professional, right? This is your day job. Not only do you do this. I do. Yeah, not only do you do this to build the the supplements, you are also like you're you're yourself a a fitness model. Like you go out of your way, you're taking care of your body every single day and you have an added added interest in making sure that your body is at peak functioning capacity for sure. Even if I didn't do this, I don't want to fucking die. I don't want to die. But here's the thing I know. It's that the people I know who get like, you notice all the liberals like, I got COVID. Well, motherfucker, you're the, why were you out of your house? Number one. And why, why weren't you wearing a mask? Well, I was, it's you. I'm like, but I, I'm not sick. Why aren't I sick? Why my family, if they had it right, like they, we, a couple of us lost whatever, like, I'm not going to fucking get that stupid test unless someone's fucking dying. I'm not getting a fucking test unless we're forced to, I'm not going to get in their system, but yeah, we've all fucking had it. We, I have the, whatever we have the antibodies. Okay. At the end of the day, we're fine because I took care of myself. And guess what? Chris Christie, who's a fat walking more comorbidity that if that fat fucker can live, like you have to be really in bad shape or really unlucky to die in the 0.04% of the population under 0.1% who's just fucking unlucky or you're really unhealthy. That's who's going to die. It's unfortunate. It hurts. The truth hurts. But at the end of the day, it's it's a pussy ass virus. It's a virus that will knock you out a little bit. It's a cold. It's a fucking bad cold. That's what a coronavirus is. Oh, but it mutated. That's what coronaviruses fucking do. That's their whole intent is to fucking mutate and survive. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, well, and here's the <laughs> thing I think that 
it's driving a lot of people really crazy is that we were able to, and I just saw a really funny meme. It was like, we're getting ready for that one year anniversary of the two week to, to slow the or to flatten the curve. And like, we were, I think as a society, all kind of in this mindset of like, all right, we don't know what's going on. We'll take this two weeks. We'll, we'll, I was down. But yeah, every, I think everybody was. We were all like, listen, we get it. We, this could be really bad. But then once we realized that, okay, this is impacting mostly elderly people. Yes, there are people who have, as you said, comorbidities. It's impacting them. So people who are high risk or the elderly, we should make sure we're yeah. taking extra care to put, you know, put them in, in safe haven. But at the same point in time, we cannot like completely shut down our society because there is the long-term consequences of, you know, right now we're seeing a skyrocket in drug abuse. I mean, across mm-hmm. the board, you're seeing a skyrocket in um, obesity related illnesses Um, people, you know, heart attacks, skyrocketing strokes, skyrocketing because people, and also cancers. I mean, right now there's just the tip of the iceberg. I just saw a recent study come out and I forget the exact percentage, but it was like, I think over a thousand percent more cancer diagnoses now than this time last year because wow. people went un, untreated like or un, uh, not trying to do the, the preventative measures. So you mm-hmm. have months of people missing out on these preventative healthcare measures because number one, they were told they shouldn't go out, but number two, they were terrified. And, and I mean, Mark, I'd love to hear your thoughts here, right? So I would say if we were to look at one of the biggest culprits to get people into this mindset of just absolutely looking at everybody as a possible carrier of this disease, right? I would say it's the media. And I I hate the idea of like, you know, the war on media, because I think media does play an important role. However, this this kind of corporate media that we've seen, that the CNNs Mm -hmm. of the world, the MSNBCs of the world, they make, you know, hand over fist dollars by by raising up all this, this, I would say fear porn, essentially. What Mm -hmm. what do you think we have to do in order to counter this, this fear porn and get people kind of back to some sense of, of normalcy and level-headedness? There was one man who called it from the beginning. That's Jesse Kelly, who's funny as shit. Jesse Kelly day one was like, if we let them lock us down for 15 days, we're going to be sorry. He was the only one. Even I was like, it's fucking two weeks. Shut the fuck up. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was stupid and I trusted too much and I'll learn never to trust the government. Look, here's the deal. I think we do need to get rid of corporate media. I think we do need to revolt against them. I am, I was all for when black lives matter was burning down CNN. I fucking was at my, I was like, fuck. Yeah. Here's the deal. We need independent journalists. We need more people like Tim pool. We need more people like even the people on the left, the crazy whack jobs on the left, Jimmy door, Brett Weinstein, all of them. Yes. Bingo. Weinstein. <laughs> I remember. So my business partner, Mike Rashid interviewed him and he's like, it's Weinstein, but he wants to call it Weinstein. I'm like, I'm Jewish. I don't even fucking know. <laughs> um, look, here's the deal. We, we need more private investigative journalists. Your Andy knows your Tim pools. Again, your lefties, you know, your, your Weinsteins and everybody else. Like we need these guys to go out there and disseminate, but there's too much political and financial kickbacks, political and international financial kickbacks. And these media outlets are compromised and independent journalists. They are not usually compromised in that Tim pool is happy on his little fucking land in West Virginia, you know, just sitting back, he skateboards and he doesn't, if China offered him a billion dollars, he'd probably be like, no, I'm all right. You know, that's just the kind of dude he is. And that's where, International journalists, if we start and for good, 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 good thing that YouTube likes him because he gets a lot of views, brings in a lot of cash. They haven't censored him. He's very good at working the system. Um, 
we need more independent journalists, but I do think CNN, MSNBC, um, I'll even put Fox News in there, and to some degree, OAN and, and Newsmax for being the complete opposite. They're not giving us the news. They're giving us a slant of what they want us to see. OAN, love them. And I, I think Jack Poso is one of the greatest guys I ever talked to. I love him to death. But it, it's a right-wing media organization. Like, there's no unbiased news. The closest thing we can find are independent journalists, you know? Andy No obviously doesn't like Antifa because they beat the living fuck out of him. I wouldn't like him either. But he's pretty fucking, here's the info. Here it is. He doesn't put opinion on it. He's like, hey, Antifa's beating shit up. And all his followers are like, yeah, fucking kill them, you know? And But Andy No never gives that opinion like these guys are thugs. He never says that. He maintains a nice kind of um, even slant in his journalism. So I am... You know, I, I don't think the media as it stands should stand. I think we need to revolt against media as a society. We need to stop listening to them. We need to marginalize them because they are causing all of this havoc. And another thing that I've also noticed is that I'm the I'm way less pro cop than I've ever been. And because none of these now remember, orders are not law. You cannot have one tyrannist governor say, do this. The only reason these orders are even being carried out is due to bootlicking thug cops. Now, that's not every cop. Not all cops are bad, as Antifa says or BLM says. A vast majority will do what it takes to keep their pension. That's what I've learned. And that's scary because now you see where I went from the beginning. Now you see what I was talking about, Nazism. Like, you know, what we learned in the Geneva Convention is even if it's due to orders, even if it's due to orders that you um, you can't follow them if they're genocidal or if they're unconstitutional. We learned that through the, the Geneva Convention, yet here we are with cops arresting mobs at playgrounds, breaking into people's houses, limiting gatherings, arresting people for not wearing masks. Here's another thing. Have you ever heard of one person actually paying a mask fine? Good point. I haven't because they're not enforceable. You, you would, it would get thrown out by any, even the most liberal judge would throw that out. I've been trying to get a mask fine. I just want the social media clout. No one will give one to me. In a private business, they can get you for trespassing because it's their right to a free service to anybody. I'll wear a mask in a store that requires it because it's, the, I, would, I would love you to do what I ask you to do in my place of business, right? Um, but I always ask, like I was in Costco and I, I was I had my bandana on my neck and he's like, we would ask you to pull that up. And so I just asked him like, what if I have a medical condition? He said, well, we give face shields. I'm like, how oh, you got me. And then I'm like, what if I don't want to, what if I have a medical condition that prevents that? He's like, well, then we have Instacart. I'm like, cool. What if I don't have the internet? He said, well, then probably Costco is not for you. And I said, you know what? That was, you, you handled it well, sir. Pull my shit up. And I'm, I'm on my way. Yeah. But it- well, that's, and, that's my thing. It's a business. They have the right to tell me to go fuck off. Yeah. And right now, right. I think there is a, a very large opening for folks in politics to enter into this discourse of just don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. Yep. You live your life. I'll live my life. I'm not going to demand of you certain things. So, Mark, I, I got to ask you, right? You were on the show back before the election. And I said, yes. Mark, what do we got to do to get you to vote libertarian? And I know that you, you said, hey, listen. Libertarian Party, we got we got to get credible, right? We got to get mm-hmm. folks who are actually going to be a serious. Jorgens, yes. yeah, Jorgensen's. I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm looking at running in 2022. 
And I don't know whether it's going to be for a local mayor position, whether it's going to be for a federal position. I think my state is doing just fine. I don't think the state of Tennessee needs me because we're awesome. Like Tennessee's awesome. I, they don't, we have a great rep. We have um, Mark Green, who's a more libertarian Trump type guy. We have a phenomenal two senators. Blackburn is one of them. Phenomenal senators. Um, you have Casada, who's actually all right, who's our state rep in my area. Um, you have, and we already have, um, what's his name? Um, Robbie Starbuck is actually running against um, the mayor's brother. Uh, yeah, so Cooper. Wow. So, and that's huge. And I will be stumping for him. So there's really nothing for me to do in Tennessee other than really local. I'm talking mayor of Brentwood if I did anything because federally, like we're covered. Tennessee is represented well. I, there's nothing I could do that these guys aren't doing at least 80% of what I believe. Um, as far as libertarian goes, I think locally is where libertarianism can flourish. You know, if I ran, it would be either as an independent or a libertarian independent, whatever you want. It, it doesn't really fucking matter at a mayor level. You know, you're running as a person, as a mayor. You usually don't even list your affiliation as a mayor. That's what I learned. You're just like, hey, Mark for mayor, you know? Um, I think that's where libertarians can flourish and start growing is locally. Problem is, I almost think you should sit out the next federal election unless you can find a candidate who will lose graciously and get the platform across. Like someone like if Ron Paul, like a Ron Paul type who actually has some pull and you know he's going to get less than 2% of the vote, but you're going to get the message out. He's going to be likable. He knows he's not going to get on the major debate stage, um, but he's going to be out there or she. I don't want to be sexist because, you know, a man and a woman now, um, you know, and I think that's where the Libertarian Party goes. And look, I'm an independent. I'm not a Republican nor a Democrat. People go crazy because libertarianism is something I do believe in. But I also have a caveat. Why are we sending all this money to other countries? So my thing is, I posted the other day, as long as we're sending twenty five million dollars to Pakistan for gender studies, what's our excuse for not having a national health care? Can you make a, can you make a re, I want you to make an argument as libertarian, Brian. I want you to make an argument that 25 million to Pakistan for gender studies is more important than giving every citizen in this country healthcare. Oh, no. So here's the thing. And I think you're going to see, um, there is going to be, this is my prediction, a coalescing of the Justin Amash types, uh, and the Tulsi Gabbards of the world. Because I think you look at the Tulsi Gabbards, the appeal is more of the, listen, to your point, how can we be doing that? And to the libertarian point is, we shouldn't be doing that in the first place. So I think mm. you're going to find that there's going to be, I think for 2024, a coalescing between the, all right, here, libertarians will take a step in the direction of, we are going to get all of our foreign <coughs> intervention out, as long as the left is going to be more open for us being more free economics in certain areas, like a UBI, but getting rid of the actual welfare. I think you're going to see some type of, of hybrid candidate. And I'm not sure if that's going to be a uh, libertarian candidate, like a, an Amash Gabbard or somebody like that. But I think I like Gabbard. That, I like her a lot. And she, her, her healthcare platform is actually decently digestible. I used to be 100% against national health care, but then I'm like, we can afford it. The, the not affording it things out the window. So we, this is where we can't afford it. This is where libertarians lose the argument. And and part of my sales brain, right, in my sales executive world is, is focusing on like talking about the things that people care about. So people mm -hmm. are more focused on the direct need of taking care of my immediate family with health care mm -hmm. versus this arbitrary, can we afford it from a government perspective? Because for them, they see... 
27 some odd trillion dollars in debt. They're like, what's an <laughs> yeah. extra 25 million that we're spending in, in the gender? Yeah, exactly. Gender studies of Pakistan. So they're like, we'll just put that money here. Now, as a libertarian, I can start going down the rabbit holes of, well, when you start having, you know, government paying for certain um, sectors that you start to, you know, lose innovation, you start to see increases in costs. Mm-hmm. And I can start to make those arguments. But once I'm starting to make those, you know, those graphs and charts, my argument, I've completely lost people. So I would say to your point is libertarians have a responsibility to approach, you know, hey, I'm going to make healthcare cheaper for your family. Here's how we're going to do it. And, and, yes. and actually approach it that sense instead of saying, oh, we can't afford it. Oh, it's going to raise like we, we if we're starting to go in, again, go in explaining things like that. We've already lost the argument. People are going to be tone, toning or tuning us out because honestly, it, it's politically tone deaf when we enter the conversations that way. Well, one thing I think Trump's given us as a country is we have a faction of people who just want to be left alone and want to be free. And if I'm wrong, correct me. And I think that's where the third, I think we're close to a third party and viable third party that the libertarians can latch onto. And that's what I'm going to call for time being the MAGA party. Like Trump is not, the reason they want him out so bad, and I hope we can all agree on this, it's because he's not, look, there's not a two party system. It's a one party system, the ruling class. Period. You have a couple outliers, your Thomas Massey's, your Rand Paul's, your more libertarian, constructionist thinking Republicans, mm-hmm. right? But other than that, it's a you don't think McConnell and Pelosi are homies. You don't think they're a cut from the same cloth. There's no difference. It's just who they pander to for votes. They're the same candidate. The reason they don't share a platform is because you need conflicting pat- platforms to play each other against each other to get their ultimate goal, which is more power, more money for themselves and their families. And just, you want, you want proof of that? Look at Hunter and Joe Biden. The money they're giving to Pakistan, it's not for Pakistan. It's because later on, someone's going to get a kickback from a Pakistani company who hires their son or daughter. And you can always find the trace back, whether it's Joe Biden, whether it's the Obamas, whether it's, uh, whether it's Bush. And that's where Trump doesn't fit in. His family doesn't give a fuck. They don't need the money. They have more money. And you think he had money before. How much money do you think he's going to have when this is over? And he's the most loved man and hated man at the same time in the world. The most admired man in the world right now is Donald Trump. If you go to Australia, he walks on water. They love him in Australia. They love him overseas. I met so many people at the Olympia Expo um, on the 19th. And a lot of them were from out of the country. And they're like, Oh no, we, we love Trump. Like we, we love Trump where I'm from. Trump gets parades in Japan. The guy is, so what happens when this MAGA party forms? Cause the GOP is dead. The GOP is going to be dead. It's going to be gone. It's going to be replaced. It's, it's not, there's no historic, there's plenty of historical precedent. When's the last time you voted for the Whig party? I think we, we are on the verge of a third party that comes in and it's not going to be called the libertarian party, but I think it's a good time for libertarians to actually latch on to a movement. That's not GOP. That's more of a voter that was like, yeah, dude, gender studies in Pakistan. Not one, not one. So that's Trump is libertarians opportunity. He's, he's your Ron Paul. He's the guy who can, because if you look at his people and maybe not him, because he was a registered Democrat for his whole life, his people and the way he's going to position himself now, it's all marketing. That's how he gets his votes. He's changed his views so many times. But the new, the new wave is going to be a libertarian-esque MAGA party. 
That's what I see. And that's what I'm kind of bringing in what you just said into my thoughts. Cause I, you're saying kind of what I've been saying is that, and I, I've tweeted it multiple times. The, the, we're, I think this might be the beginning of a, the end of the two party system, or at least the two parties we know now. One can only hope. And Mark, we could go on forever, but I know your time is short. So unfortunately, we're going to have to cut this conversation short here. But of course, we'll have you back on the show. And especially if you're going to be running for office, my goodness, that's a conversation that I think we're going to have to have in the future. Mark Lobliner, CEO, MTS Nutrition, CMO, TigerFitness.com. I'll include all the links in the show notes. Mark, as always, a pleasure. Likewise, sir. You have yourself a great rest of your day. Before we wrap up, I want to tell you about an amazing new podcast. You longtime listeners of The Brian Nichols Show know him well, and that is one Brad Palumbo in his stellar new program, Breaking Boundaries. Join Brad as he interviews top writers, politicians, and thinkers from all across the political spectrum to give you a new perspective you won't find in the mainstream liberal media or right-wing echo chambers. From guests like Rand Paul to Glenn Greenwald, Brad is having conversations and focusing on issues that are driving America with the people who are in the driver's seats. So... Head over to your favorite podcast app, hit subscribe, strap in, and be prepared for some wild food takes like Rand Paul and his grand mayonnaise conspiracy. Again, that's Breaking Boundaries with Brad Palumbo, available in your favorite podcasting app today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Mark Lobliner, CEO, MTS Nutrition, CMO, TigerFitness.com. I love, 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 love having Mark on the show because, yes, he uh, absolutely has, uh, you know, I think a perspective of folks that we can reach out to um, and definitely have more conversations with. And I think you're going to find, as we go out and have more of these conversations, uh, we're going to find more and more people like Mark who are interested in the message of liberty. And it is on us to make sure that we are not being, uh, you know, the the gatekeepers that a lot of us in the libertarian movement tend to be. We need to be building bridges, building coalitions. And yes, that requires us bringing people in who are not libertarian, uh, but knowing that and then helping convert them over to liberty. It's not us to be the educators, uh, but it also requires us to be empathetic. I know libertarians ask questions, learn what those people's main issues are, and then help sell liberty to them. So, that being said, Mark, thank you for joining the show, and if you did not get the chance yet to check out the other amazing episodes we had here this week, well, my goodness, you were missing out. As we started off here on Monday, I had a solo episode where I outlined what we're doing here at the Brian Nichols Show as we move forward into 2021. And yes, sneak, sneak, hint, hint, it is about selling liberty, which we've been doing here at the Brian Nichols Show with Reckless Abandon, I must say. Uh, And by the way, if you did not get the chance yet, please check out my conversation with Matt Kibbe over on his amazing program, Kibbe on Liberty. I got to sit down with Matt, talk about how we can sell liberty more by listening more uh, and talking less. (laughs) How about that? On Wednesday, it was my conversation over on Brad Palumbo's amazing podcast, Breaking Boundaries, where, yes, we were talking also how to sell and market liberty. So uh, thank you to Brad for having me on his program. By the way, he'll be coming up here next week as well. Uh, We're talking about the stimulus. Strap in. Uh, And then, yes, here today, Obviously, our fantastic conversation with Mark Lobliner. I hinted, yes, coming up here next week on The Brian Nichols Show. Monday, we are joined by friend and assemblyman Mark Wolzik. That's right. He won re-election, and Mark is coming to The Brian Nichols Show to discuss uh, this crazy bill that has been in uh, committee for a long time in New York, but has gained more traction as of late because it talks about the governor being able to just unilaterally decide They can put people in camps if they are deemed a public health risk. Sounds a little dystopian, no? So Mark joins me on the show to discuss that. On Wednesday, the ever-amazing and ever-sales-minded man he is, 
vice presidential candidate Spike Cohen joins the Brian Nichols show. Yes, the VP candidate from 2020 on the Libertarian ticket, but also the head honcho over at Muddied Waters, Muddied Waters of Freedom. Spike joins the show to discuss what we've been talking about here at the Brian Nichols show. Sales and... It's funny. Spike and I were on a, a show together on a panel, and uh, Spike goes, "Yes, th- th- this guy, th- he gets it." And it was funny because I said we need to have a show, and it took a while to get him on the show. But when we had Spike on the show, my goodness, you guys are going to hear a lot of things that we've been talking about the Brian Ogle show. So I need you guys to pay attention to Spike. Spike, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to do sales. Pay more attention to people like Spike. Uh, and then coming up here on Friday, I hinted, yes, Brad Palumbo, we're talking about the craziness that is this bipartisan uh, proposal to increase the stimulus payments from $6,000 to $2,000 in these uh, nice big fat checks. Brad tells the audience, sorry, this is not a good idea. Plus, we dig into, um, do you know where the, the, the money is going in the stimulus payments? Uh, how about some Nigerian scammers? Yeah, Brad digs into that and also areas where uh, the money has been going, all that and more. So guys, make sure you hit subscribe, strap in for another phenomenal week ahead of you here as we start off 2021. Have you been enjoying the Brian Nichols show thus far as we start off 2021? If so, head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and review Yes, that's how folks find the show. It helps move up the Brian Nichols show in the rankings. Guys, I don't control the algos. It's just how it works. So head over to Apple Podcasts, five-star rating interview, and tell the folks there why you listen to the Brian Nichols show. Why are you a member of the growing tens of thousands of folks who are listening to the Brian Nichols show every single month? Why is it you come back every single week? Make sure you go ahead and give that five-star rating and review. And folks, please... Do me a favor, if you've not yet, support the other amazing podcasts at the We Are Libertarians Network, the Chris Spangle Show, the Boss Hog of Liberty, Ginger Arky with Trisha Stewart, the Keaton Tucker Program, Freedom Strips, and On the Run with Remzo W. Martinez. Guys, so many amazing podcasts. Oh, and then, of course, there's more like Liberty Explained, uh, the Pathway to Libertarianism, uh, I think it's Onward. Upward. Chris is going to hate me because I didn't know the name of the show. But there's so many shows. You just have to go ahead to Libertarian Podcast. You can check out those shows and more to find other great Libertarian podcasts out there. Folks, I'm tired. It's been a long week, but I hope you were all getting back into the swing of things. Uh, if so, good. You're you're on the right pathway to 2021. If not, hey, no worries. Well, let's uh let's just get the the wheels going because I think 2021 it's the year, folks. Things are happening, so I need you guys in tip-top shape. So, let's uh start start drinking some mud water, right? Start your mornings off right with a, the new morning ritual like I have been. Just actually finished my mud water. That's why I'm on point today. And also, yes, uh if you have not yet uh tried our Ebels topical freeze gel, which I, I guess they sold out. You're welcome, uh, Addison, over at Ebels, ebels.com. Uh, Ebels Topical Freeze Gel, though, when that comes back into stock, make sure you go use code at TBNS at checkout because that will get you a nice sassy discount at... Nice sassy discount. That's fun. Uh, a nice discount at checkout. So, uh, guys, uh, with that being said, thank you so much for joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. Mark Lobliner, thank you for joining us. And as always, folks, if you're looking for more phenomenal episodes with more phenomenal guests, make sure you hit subscribe. So that's Brian Nichols signing off on The Brian Nichols Show for Mark Lobliner. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.